welcome back to the Sunshine Species Podcast. This is your host, Nancy. Before we get into this week's information, um, I did want to just say, please make sure to check out the Sunshine Speechy Instagram. That's at Sunshine Speechy. I'm hoping to have a lot of really great resources up there soon. Um, also, if you're enjoying my podcast, um, whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, another listening device, please make sure to leave a good review. Um, I want to be able to reach as many people as possible with my tips and tricks. Um, so getting into this week's content, um, today we are talking about out of major applicants. For those of you who don't know what that means, it just means that you didn't complete your undergraduate in speech pathology or communication sciences disorders. So if you're in a situation where you really want to go into speech pathology, but you didn't really plan your life around it when you were applying to undergraduate schools and your undergraduate school does not have a speech pathology or a communication sciences disorder program, um, you might want to look into a major such as psychology, health sciences, linguistics, biology, um, special education, Something where you're still kind of staying along the lines of speech pathology and learning relevant information to the field. So the main takeaway um, for an out-of-major applicant is that ASHA does have gen ed requirements. Um, I talked about these briefly in the perfect applicant episode. Um, So those requirements include social science Um, two semesters of a biological science, statistics, and a natural science. So that could be biology, oops, sorry, not biology, that could be physics or chemistry. Um, So that's a bummer, I know. It was a bummer to me when I found out because I'm not a science or math person. Um, But just keep that in mind as you're going through your undergraduate um, career. Um, So Another thing that's important is your choices as to graduate schools as an out-of-major applicant is relatively dependent on your geographical location. So individuals who live in the north, so for example, I'm from Chicago, um, if you're from the east coast, the midwest, um, and also a lot of western states, although not all, so you know, California, Colorado, it's much more likely that it is required by those graduate programs that you have received a bachelor's in speech-language pathology or a pretty large amount of prerequisite courses that can only be completed um, in a program that has speech pathology undergraduate. Um, If that is the case, um, it does vary greatly school to school. For example, when I was applying to graduate schools, I know UNC required four prerequisite courses, speech science, hearing science, child language acquisition, and phonetics. Um, Those are only four courses. Some programs required 12. Um, Some require none at all. Every other program that I applied to did not require any else at all. Um, that's because I did do my undergraduate in psychology, so I didn't want to apply to somewhere that required, you know, a copious amount of prerequisites. Um, another thing that's important, you know, this can be a little daunting at first, but it is really great to keep in mind that some programs absolutely love out-of-major applicants, and that's because they really see them as an opportunity to 
um, kind of diversify their um, graduate program and really bring in new perspectives because it's great to have a graduate program where you're not just getting the perspective of a future speech language pathologist, um, but you're also getting the perspective of someone who has a background in psychology, like me, if they have a background in something more biologically based, more scientific, or even if they have um, a better understanding of special education or linguistics. So it's not all bad. I've had a lot of programs tell me that they um, really loved that I had this background in psychology and that it made me a more compelling applicant. Um, So getting into, let's say your situation is that you have a dream program. They require that you um, are an in-major applicant and you are an out-of-major applicant. What do you do? So the first thing that I would do is start considering if there are similar programs that have less strict requirements. So for me, my freshman year, I decided kind of on a whim that my dream graduate school was the University of Texas at Austin. I couldn't tell you why exactly. I have always kind of had this obsession with living in Texas, even though I've literally never been there. Um, I guess it was kind of just my utopia idea coming from Chicago, Um, you know, warm weather. Um, And around my sophomore year, I realized that they don't really accept an out-of-major applicant. What they do is that they have a variety of prerequisite courses that they will teach at UT Austin. Um, But even after you take them, that doesn't mean that you know, you're a shoe in that you're going to get in just because you took those prerequisites. It just means that now you qualify to apply to their program. Um, so for me, I wasn't really willing to take that bet to move all the way to Austin and take their prerequisite courses um, if I may or may not get in. Um, and so I started to look at similar programs um, and, of course, programs that were close to me, programs that required no Um, additional courses. Um, And I found UT Dallas, which is another top-ranked program, also in Texas, has a very similar vibe, um, also highly research-based. And they required no additional prerequisite courses. So I decided to apply there. um, And that was kind of what I did. If you're in a situation where, you know, no, this is the only program I want, or maybe this is the only program that's in-state, so it's the only one you can afford. Whatever the situation is, and you have to choose that program, I would then start to research online programs or contact the graduate program directly. So some of them will say, you know, that's fine that you're an out-of-major applicant. You have to take these prerequisites with us. Um, And that will be more costly. For some, so for example, UNC said, you can take these prerequisite courses with us or you can take them somewhere else and just double check with us beforehand that they will transfer correctly. Um, So what I personally ended up doing was taking them online at Utah State University. I know it sounds fairly random, but UNC actually recommended that program to me. And there are a lot of other programs like that that are online. 
And basically, I was able to take the prerequisite courses online. Um, I took them after graduating early. And then, you know, I was able to transfer those. And then I would count towards their program. So if you're looking at somewhere that's requiring you to um, basically get all of these additional courses um, and you really, maybe let's say this is a second career for you or, you know, you already graduated with your bachelor's, I would recommend, you know, taking those courses online while working. It will be very difficult, but I know a lot of people who have done it um, and then you'll finally be able to go for your graduate degree. Just make sure that you're getting those courses approved. So make sure that you double check with those universities beforehand that you're applying to that they will accept those um, online courses as equivalent to their prerequisites. Um, So lastly, another thing that a lot of people ask me about is how do I have meaningful experiences on my resume, on my CV, if I'm not coming from a university who has an undergrad speech speech pathology or communication sciences program. Because a lot of the times, those programs have really abundant um, resources and experiences that are very valuable to um, pre-speech individuals. So to that, I would say... The first thing that you can do that's really easy, really um, accessible to everyone would be ASHA's STEP mentoring program. Um, So first you'll have to join Nishla. I think it costs about $50. I did it my junior year maybe. Um, It's pretty great. They sent me a lot of really cool stuff in the mail. They sent me a free ASHA magazine. Um, Once you've joined them, you can join the STEP mentoring program. And what that is, is basically you can match up with a speech language pathologist. Um, They have thousands of them all across the country. I chose mine based on region and specialty. So, you know, if you really want to work to have a mentor who works in pediatrics or if you really want somebody who, you know, specializes in neurogenesis with adults, you can look into that. For me, my mentor ended up being a medical SLP in New York City. I'm not sure why I chose that looking back because I'm never going to move to New York City, but I think I just figured that they would be a very credible source. Um, And he was, he was very helpful to me in, you know, deciding what kind of program I wanted, what kind of PhD, if I did want to go for my PhD, if I wanted to wait, um, all those sorts of questions and just kind of gave me a better idea of what the daily life of a med SLP is. Obviously, it varies from person to person, but he gave me, you know, a good underlying idea. Um, And that's somebody that you can really reach out to throughout your undergraduate career and of course, graduate and beyond. So I definitely recommend doing that. The second thing that I would recommend is if your um, university has an American Sign Language club, if they have organizations for it, if they have courses, um, I took courses for it and then I also joined the club. Um, It was really fun. We did, we signed the national anthem at you know, all the baseball games. And the reason that I recommend that is because it's a really great way to 
get an important skill without necessarily having to have these speech pathology resources that probably aren't available to you. Because a lot of clinicians use sign language, whether they're just using small parts of sign, of sign language vocabulary with nonverbal, you know, autistic children, I've seen that a lot. Or if they're working with someone who has, you know, neural hearing loss or is profoundly deaf, then they'll be using sign language throughout the entire, um, the entirety of their practice. So that's a really great, um, another great way to show universities, you know, look, I've got this great interest and now I've got this great skill. Um, another thing that I highly recommend is hospital internships. Um, they're typically pretty hard to find. I know for me, finding my first one was really difficult, but once I kind of got the hang of it, I was able to find more. Um, so if you just look up, you know, different hospitals near you and just like really look up, you know, like Atrium Health, blah, 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 speech pathology internships. That's kind of what I started doing until I finally found some. The first one that I did, um, I'm lucky enough for there to be about 45 minutes away from me, a hospital that um, is really dedicated to helping prospective medical workers. And so um, they had a undergraduate speech pathology internship where, you know, I did volunteer work for an outpatient pediatric clinic, and then I also was able to gain shadowing hours. Um, so that was a really great experience, and I would say that if you are near to any hospitals, and I wasn't even near a super major hospital, they should hopefully have internships like that available to individuals, even if they are getting their undergraduate in something else. Um, another thing I will say you can do regardless of what university you attend is research. Research, research, research. I know I say it all the time. I'm sure I'll just continue to emphasize it on this podcast, but research is really a great way to build yourself as an outstanding applicant because everyone who's going to speech pathology graduate school wants to be a clinician, right? We all want to work with cute little kids, with cute little grannies, um, but it's not quite as often that people really emphasize their love of research in the field of speech pathology, which is truly just as important. Um, so whatever your major is, hopefully your university will have research opportunities available. For me, I was able to do lots of research as a psychology student. Some of it was pretty relevant to speech pathology. I did research in child development but some of it was not relevant at all. I did research for an IO psychologist in an ER, and it was completely unrelated to anything speech pathology, but it did show that I really had that passion for research and that I had sort of an underlying research toolkit that I'd grown throughout my undergraduate experience. Um, so I highly recommend that. And the last thing is clubs. Um, whether you're highly involved in your sorority, in an honors college, in whatever sort of student organization that you feel you have a strong bond to, um, you know, really flourish in it. Make sure that you can get a leadership position. Really help to better that student organization. Um, 
And that will really come across in not only your resume and CV for graduate schools, but also you'll have a lot to talk about um, in your personal statement, in your essays. You'll be able to say, you know, this is what I could bring to your university. This is how I could better your program. For me, I think I have kind of a very extreme example where I decided to start a undergraduate speech pathology organization on my campus. Um, We really um, grew into about 200, 250 students who were all pre-speech and OT. Um, And we had, you know, monthly speakers, all sorts of really cool opportunities that I was able to foster through creating this organization. Um, I don't say... I don't think you have to take it that far, but if you do want to, um, you know, if your university can't qualify for Nishla, then I would highly recommend that, you know, you do start your own student organization because it shows that love and that passion for your future career and future specialty. So hopefully I didn't ramble on too much and you guys got a lot out of this episode. If anyone has any questions or queries, or, you know, anything that you want to talk to me about, please feel free to slip into my DMs at Sunshine's, on Sunshine Speechy's Instagram. Um, and of course, leave comments on the um, post I post for this episode, um, because I really want to do whatever I can to help other people um, really succeed in the difficult process of applying to graduate school, because it oftentimes seems very daunting and I don't want that to stand in the way of anyone becoming a speech pathologist um, because we need them and so many people would make great speech pathologists and just get really caught up in the application process. All right, I'm going to stop rambling. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode. I hope everybody is safe and sound and I hope you have a great week. Thanks. Bye.